I would like to begin by welcoming you on behalf of the Canadian Club to this Women in Public Life luncheon, and to do that by congratulating our guest speaker, the leader of the New Democrats in Ontario is being chosen as Equal Voices Eve Award recipient, celebrating the achievements of women in politics. And Andrea, I can honestly say, after what you've been able to accomplish in the last month, you are a more deserving recipient than ever. Votre engagement au service public a commencé avant que vous avez entré la politique provinciale. It includes training workers in Hamilton, developing co-op housing in Welland, and seven productive years on Hamilton City Council. When the date of this lunch was planned, we could not have predicted how propitious it would turn out to be in the history of Ontario politics. You've been the leader, Andrea, of course, of the NDP for just over three years, led your party last October to its best showing in years, and now you've successfully walked through the minefield of budget negotiations with the McGuinty minority government. Two spectacular accomplishments. But perhaps what is particularly noteworthy is that you've done this by being practical about what can be achieved in a time of restraint and economic uncertainty whilst at the same time holding true to the principles that guided you to your election both as leader and in the general election last fall. Your commitment to those at the lower end of the economic scale, to the elderly, to those who need home care, has shone through in the changes that you were able to bring about in the budget. And my friends, it's been a long time since we've had a minority government in Ontario and a budget and seen a budget, if not rewritten, at least significantly modified. I think you deserve full marks for saying you're going to consult with Ontarians. Vous choisissez d'affaire les changements en vue d'ajouter de la valeur à la vie des gens de l'Ontario. Andrea Horvath, the leader of the New Democrats in Ontario, vous avez la parole, the Canadian Club podium, Canada's podium of record, is yours. Thank you very, uh, very much. Uh, I have to say it's uh, fabulous to be here. I'm very, very thrilled to be here. I want to thank, first of all, Equal Voice uh, for the, uh, uh, the uh, recognition, for the award. I'm, I'm very, very grateful and very, very humbled. Now, I don't know about any of you, but I have had a pretty busy week. <laughs> and it's only Wednesday. I just realized it's only Wednesday. Uh, it's an incredible pleasure and an incredible honour to uh, be here with you today. I don't have to tell anybody in this room that women have come up against bullheaded attitudes in public life and in private life. Now, lucky for me, I come from Steeltown, <laughs> right? From, in Steeltown, girls learn how to swing a sledgehammer at those glass ceilings. <laughs> attitudes are definitely changing. More female candidates are running and winning across the province and across the country.
It was really good to see Alison Redford elected as Premier earlier this week. And I have to say, I was cheering for my NDP counterpart, Brian Mason, but that's okay. Uh, it was good to see Alison win. And it was good to see two women uh, facing off in that election as well. I think that was a, a very, very important uh, a time in Alberta's history and in the country's history. And just as it's really good to see women leading political parties and governments, as was already mentioned, from coast to coast. I'm getting good at the former. My plan to work real hard to get at the latter pretty soon. I don't know how soon, though. There's no hint there in, in terms of when that might happen. <laughs> you know, things are definitely changing in Canada. And I'm a big believer, a big believer in change. And I think if I wasn't a big believer in change, I wouldn't be standing with you uh, this afternoon. Over the last three years, as leader of Ontario's NDP, I've learned a lot about building consensus. I've learned that toughness is an essential quality for any leader, but so are compassion, empathy, flexibility. I've learned that being a woman in politics carries all the challenges of leadership and then some. I've learned not to dwell on double standards, even when I'm asked about my outfits and my hair as opposed to my opinion. And I've learned how to walk a very fine line and to speak out, even when some would, be, would prefer that I'm kept in my place. I've, I've learned how not to be intimidated by bullies in three-piece suits. You know, the floor of the legislature isn't the best place for shrinking violets. Neither is a media scrum, and I have to tell you, I had the, uh, the mega media scrum of my life just yesterday, as you can imagine. You know, I've never been a wallflower, and uh, the uh, school that's here is my alma mater, which was mentioned. Uh, the, the, uh, the people that are with those students weren't the teachers that were there when I was there, but they'll, the ones that were there will tell you uh, that I was never a wallflower. Uh, but I don't believe chest thumping and brow beating is uh, a good style, and it's certainly not a style that I favor and I don't think it's a style that engenders much confidence these days. Courage isn't just charging headlong into a fight. It's taking your responsibilities seriously and showing a sense of humor along the way if you can. It's listening to people and it's hearing what they're actually saying. Le courage, c'est parler français en public. Même si ce n'est pas toujours facile. <laughs> Courage is actually being yourself. You know, even when our society is used to leaders who are louder, who are belligerent, or frankly, who are male. The courage to be yourself as a woman was extremely important. You know, when I entered the race for the NDP leadership three years ago, in fact, it was almost four years ago now, I wasn't sure I could win. I wasn't sure I could win. But I knew for sure that I wanted to try. That's a Hamilton trait, I think. And you know, during the, the fall campaign that just passed, I was given a, a quite interesting little nickname. I got called the Steel Town Scrapper. And I like it. I like that nickname. nickname. But you know, it's interesting because during that election campaign, I was very, very clear. 
I didn't want to spend four weeks scrapping for political points. What I wanted to do was spend four years tackling the challenges facing the people of this province. Because I believe that the, challenging, the challenges rather, that are facing the people of Ontario, facing the everyday folks who make this, this province work, are the challenges that are actually holding Ontario back. You know, in the early 1990s, as was mentioned, I worked as a community development coordinator at, a, at McQuiston Legal Clinic, a legal clinic in Hamilton. And at that time, I met a lot of people in my city people who were struggling, who were really struggling hard in the recession of the early 90s. Now, some people had given up and gotten cynical, but many more, in fact, most, faced their challenges head on. Times are tough again in Ontario, and they're, they're getting tougher. What I learned when I was organizing, whether it was when I was organizing in the, the Days of Action in, in Hamilton or whether I was organizing in the co-op movement uh, in, in Welland, uh, whether I was organizing in my neighbourhoods when I was a, a city councillor uh, in, uh, in the city of Hamilton on council, is that people, when they work together, can make really great things happen. And that's a lesson that I will keep with me all the time. You know, there's, there's no doubt or there's no sense, really, in denying that these are tough times. We have to admit it. It's very obvious. Ontario's households are dealing with unprecedented levels of debt these days. Unemployment remains stubbornly high. We were talking at our table particularly about unemployment for young people and how high that is and how challenging it is for them. You know, economists tell us that the crisis in Ontario's economy isn't in the corporate sector. Thanks to years of corporate tax reductions, Ontario's corporations have unprecedented levels of cash in reserve. It's households. It's households that are falling behind. And although some jobs have returned since the recession, I think you would all agree that the recovery has been very, very slow, and Ontario continues to fall behind. You know, our unemployment rate in this province is above the national average. The average paycheck in this province is actually shrinking, one of the only provinces in our country where that's happening. A recent poll showed that among Ontarians, uh, a recent poll rather among Ontarians showed that the, they're, they're the least optimistic, that the people in this province are the least optimistic about the Canadian economy and its recovery, with only about a third of the people believing that the economy is actually going to improve, improve in the next year. The same survey shows that more than one quarter are worried that someone in their household is going to be losing a job. But you don't need to look at polls to actually know that that's what's happening right now. I mean, I have the privilege of traveling a lot across this, uh, this great province in the work that I do. When I travel to Windsor, across northern Ontario, to communities like Malvern or Weston here in Toronto, or even my own hometown of Hamilton, people are having a very tough time. The growing gap between the super-rich and the rest of us, it just doesn't hurt those at the lowest income levels. It hurts everyone. Because our province's economy will not do well until Ontario's families are doing well. If Ontario's families keep falling behind, Ontario will continue 
to lag behind. You know, a few weeks ago, the people of Ontario, of course, were presented with a budget, no secret, uh, and that budget, in our opinion and in my opinion, left families falling further behind. And I, along with the incredible group of women and men in my caucus, who I have the privilege to serve with, had a choice to make. I knew we had to be responsible. That was the number one priority. Be responsible because it's a serious time for our province. And it seemed a basic courtesy to ask people for their opinion in this difficult time. Because the budget certainly is a document that has far-reaching consequences for each and every person in this province. And so we made that effort to reach out and talk to people. The critics at that time accused me of stalling, saying it was a stalling tactic. I was stalling for time. But I have to say that the thousands and thousands of people who wrote, who emailed, who called us, and even stopped me at the grocery store. That's something I still do, like everyone else, get my groceries. Uh, but people who stopped me when I was doing my everyday things uh, at home in my riding told me that they were desperate to be heard and that they appreciated being heard. They were glad that someone finally took the time to do it, to actually ask them what they thought. You know, it's funny, when I spoke to the journalists on, uh, on Budget Day, it's this massive room and rows and rows of journalists, and uh, one particular journalist was kind of scratching his head and he said, uh, he said to me that um, reserving my judgment, you know, was something that, uh, uh, that, that, that was not the right thing to do. He said, taking my time and asking people what they think seemed like a, a politician's way out, a politician's way of avoiding a tough issue. That's what, that's what his judgment was. What I told him, quite the contrary. It's a woman's way of confronting a problem. Now that got a bit of a laugh for, uh, for him and for the rest of the media in the room, but of course, I really wasn't joking. You know, during the last campaign, I spent a lot of time doing something quite different uh, than the other leaders were doing. We call it mainstreeting. It was basically a way for, for politicians to meet people where they work, where they live, where they're carrying on their daily lives. I heard strong opinions for sure from all kinds of people around this province, but mostly people appreciated the effort that I bothered to, to get off the bus for more than just the photo op, but to actually chat with them on their terms. You know, even people who didn't plan to vote NDP, they told me so, and, and that's okay. Some journalists said that I had guts to expose myself like that to the electorate. To be honest, I think it's the least a politician can do. And I think that the look of surprise on people's uh, faces when I did that said something quite stark. It told me that our political culture here in Ontario needs a heck of a lot of work, right? If people aren't used to having politicians actually talk to them, actually chat with them, engage with them, then we got a lot of work to do in Ontario when it comes to politics. It told me that people weren't used to seeing a political leader on the ground in a community. I aim to change that. In my opinion, cynicism is so last year. I'm bringing listening back. That's what I'm going to do. 
So when New Democrats reached out for input on the budget, Ontarians responded overwhelmingly in huge numbers. People from all around the province, all around the political spectrum, took their time to share their views. We received heartfelt responses from longtime supporters and thoughtful comments from people who vote for the other parties, even pleas from people who don't usually participate in the political process came across. And they all had one thing in common, regardless of who they were. They told us that the budget wasn't fair. Now, Ontarians understand that we're living in challenging economic times. Everybody understands that. And they're all willing to do their part. But they expect the burden to be shared equally by all. On their best advice, New Democrats pushed for change aimed at protecting health care, education, childcare, and people with disabilities, while encouraging job growth at the same time. We were instrumental in freezing the corporate tax rate to bring badly needed funds back to our Treasury or to make sure we didn't continue to lose badly needed funds from our Treasury. And we advocated for fairer taxation because Ontarians agree with the idea that the most fortunate among us can afford to pitch in a little extra for vital services. Overwhelmingly, the people of this province believe that. And in that same spirit of fairness, we insisted on a cap on public sector CEO salaries and bonuses. Now, we got results, for sure. Not everything we asked for, though. We didn't get everything we asked for. And it's not everything that's needed. And everything we asked for isn't everything that's needed. But real positive change that will make a difference in people's lives is what we were able to achieve. Now, Dalton McGuinty talked about a marriage yesterday. I don't know if you heard that. Did you guys hear that? He talked about a marriage between uh, them and us. But I gotta tell you, I'm a single woman and I'm pretty happy that way. <laughs> and I think New Democrats feel the same. Some of my caucus members are here in the room and thank you for being here. I think they feel the same. <laughs> we, don't de we definitely don't need a husband who doesn't listen, who doesn't share, <laughs> and who generally puts themselves first. That's not the kind of husband we want. But unfortunately, that's what we've seen from this government over the past six months. Yesterday, my team and I decided not to force Ontario into an election that they didn't want. We decided to keep working in the legislature so we could deliver real results we worked really, really hard for those results, and now we want them to be delivered. But we also are committed to, keeping, to working uh, continuously, continuing to work against the bad decisions that this government is making. You know, people say that motherhood makes you more practical. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I do know that I really don't care uh, about scoring those political points I don't care about the games that go on in the legislature. Those kinds of things aren't important to me. I do care about getting real results for the working mom, for example, who needs daycare. Real results for the nurse who's under-resourced in the ER or the family that's coping with a lost job. And I know I can get real results by rolling up my sleeves and working together with others to make that happen. 
Now, New Democrats have serious concerns about the priorities of the Liberal government. There's no doubt about it. And we're going to continue to offer positive solutions, positive alternatives. And we're going to force discussion whenever we possibly can, because we need to. And that means we're going to be focusing on creating jobs, for example, by working with the job creators in this province, instead of giving corporate giveaways, tax giveaways, and privatizing job-creating infrastructure in this province. It means a balanced approach, not, not short-sighted, knee-jerk, reckless cutbacks. It means focusing on people instead of our, on ourselves. Now, we're going to continue to hold the government to account and we're going to continue to bring Ontarians' priorities to the floor of the Legislature. I believe in bringing back fairness into politics. I believe bringing uh, people back into the political realm is the important thing to do. I believe in putting people first at all times. Il faut mettre les gens en avant. And from what I've been hearing, that's exactly the kind of change that people want and the kind of change that they appreciate. It can be challenging, but change is definitely worth fighting for. And I know organizations in this room, women in this room, Equal Voice, the Canadian Club all agree with that one thing, that change is definitely a challenging thing, but it is worth fighting for. And we should celebrate our progress. We should always be celebrating our progress, whether it's big or small. You know, in last October's election, Ontarians sent 30 women from across the province and the political spectrum to represent them at Queen's Park. That's a fantastic achievement. Our party has led the way when it comes to nominating women to run for office, and I'm proud to say that we elected more women in 2011 than we have done in 20 years as a party. I'm very proud of that. And I think there's a few reasons why this happens. It wasn't a fluke. First, New Democrats have a pretty strict policy, I would call it, regarding our nominations process. And we have a strict policy on purpose because we want to see more women nominated. And if a riding hasn't got any possible women candidate, then they haven't completed their candidate search process. It's quite obvious. And what we do is we insist that they go back out there and find the capable women that we know are there to run in the nomination meetings. By insisting that all ridings must consider women in their community, we break people out of that conventional thinking and we find some pretty strong candidates as well. Second, we find those strong women to actually run. So they run in the nomination pro uh, process and then they run for us during the election. Now, our new MPPs come from all different backgrounds, but all of them were and are serious about winning. And I have to say, we actually work hard to convince them to run. A lot of women don't initially see themselves uh, as being uh, in an elected position. And it takes some encouragement it takes some confidence building. It takes some conversation. And we take the time to do that. We offer them real support. And I think 
New Democrats are leading the way by example in that regard when it comes to getting women candidates running for us. We're working on a new kind of politics in Ontario, a politics of fairness and inclusion. No role models are perfect, there's no doubt, but the best ones know when to advise and know when to listen. Now, I couldn't have reached my position without the love and support of family and friends and a lot of strong women, people who are never afraid to give me the straight goods. For me, mentorship starts with honesty. And if I'm a mentor to anyone in this room or outside of this room, I'll offer one piece of advice to all the young women, for example, who wonder if they can cut it in their chosen field. Yes, of course you can. It'll take hard work, but you are as smart as your competition, and don't you ever doubt yourself. So things are changing in Canada, and I'm a big believer in change. Together, we can make our voices heard. Together, we can make our voices equal. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. You should always come to this lunch because the women give incredible speeches. <laughs> um, I would like to tell you that we were prescient when we decided who to give our Equal Voice Award to this year. We knew in October that this was going to be the perfect week and the perfect day and the perfect woman, but we're not quite that smart. <laughs> but what we did know uh, in October was that uh, Andrea has given Ontario a different kind of leadership, that she leads by listening, she leads by being empathetic, she leads by paying attention, and she leads by being strong, and she ultimately leads by being powerful. And she sends an incredible message um, to women, and particularly to young women. Uh, and she did it here today, but she's been doing it every day uh, since October. And that message is that you can be yourself and you can be incredibly successful in this very important field. And that's why um, we and Donna Dasko, our chair of uh, Equal Voice, will give Andrea the Equal Voice Award this year.
Hello. Uh, it is my, my name is Alison Lote, and I'm uh, on the board of the Canadian Club, and it is my pleasure uh, to thank, on behalf of the Canadian Club and Equal Voice, um, Ms. Horvath for being with us this afternoon. Uh, a longtime advocate for women in public life recently told me that women are like the canaries in the coal mine. They warn us of what is to come. So when women talk about what hinders their, I guess are, <laughs> full participation in politics, things like the bullheaded culture that we heard about earlier, um, really what they do is pointing out uh, what prevents a more complete engagement of all citizens in our public life and in our democratic process. And when they talk about things like listening and compromise and empathy, and when they lead with those values at the front and center, it's then that they're signaling that different ways of working are possible. So thank you for being such a passionate advocate and role model. And everyone, please join me in thanking Andrea Horvath for being with us today. Allison, thank you uh, very much. Leslie and Donna, thank you. And of course, a very special thanks to uh, Andrea for not only being here, but for that terrific speech. Uh, this concludes the television broadcast of this Canadian Club and Equal Voice Luncheon. Uh, we'd like to continue to thank Rogers Television and 680 News for their support of all of our club activities. And with that, this lunch is now adjourned. Thank you so much for being with us today. <laughs>